Good morning, church. How you guys doing today? Good? Awesome. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you that do not know me, I want to welcome everybody that's watching us online right now. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. I want to say a special shout out to our peeps watching via watch party in Amarillo, Texas with Rowdy and Kathy. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. So, I was planning on preaching this week, but I got hit with a stomach bug on Monday, and I thought I was going to die, okay? Uh, Just let me be honest with you. So uh, Pastor Mike was going to be preaching in a couple weeks, and I just said, bro, I need you this week. I don't know if I'm going to live through this week. And so um, it was just one of those, okay? Some of you feeling me, okay? And, and so, man, he stepped up. But, man, he's been praying uh, specifically for a word for Passionate Life Church. And, and uh, you know, man, we're, and I said, look, bro, we're fasting. And so people are hungry and they're ready for a word today, okay? Uh, and so real quick, we have... Uh, growth track uh, going on during second service. If you've never taken growth track, I want to invite you to jump into the class. Uh, even if you haven't watched the videos, you can watch the videos later. Uh, and, and we want to just jump you in into your next step, spiritual growth. Amen? Awesome. All right, come on. Let's give Pastor Mike a great welcome. Come on, he's family, Passionate Life Church. Thanks, bro. Uh, man, it's so good being here. Uh, we love this church. You guys probably know my wife, Nicole, a little better than you even know me. Uh, we love being in this house. Uh, we love your pastors. It's really cool. I'll give you a little look behind the scenes. Uh, we've got to do lunches, dinners, you know, behind closed doors conversations, and especially the last couple. Uh, just to brag on the heart of your pastors, um, I was sitting there with Pastor Andrew, and we were just talking about, like, I'm talking about some of the struggles of, you know, leading people and doing church, and I'm like, hey, I'd love to come preach and give you a Sunday off. You know what he said to me? So I don't want to miss it. I don't want to not be there. I love hugging my people. I love them dearly. And it was like, I was, honestly, I was shocked. It took me back. I was like, wait, wait, are you serious right now? Because I love being gone, you know? Uh, and so I was blown away at their love for you, the love for this house, and what I know, and you know, yeah, give it up for your pastors. Uh, they love Jesus even more. That's a big deal. Uh, they love the, the Father in heaven more than they even love you, but I am just proud to call them friends and family, and we love being here, so thank you uh, for the chance. Uh, and, and man, uh, it's so cool you guys are jumping into fasting. I'm not going to raise hands because you're supposed to do this in your closet and you know, put makeup on and not look like you're dying inside. And this, uh, who, who, who made homemade treats out there by the coffee? You guys just kicked off a fast. I'm like, apricot balls, these look homemade. So... Shame on you. No, I'm kidding. Do that for those that aren't participating. If you're not fasting, enjoy. Eat eat a triple portion today. But um, proud of you and excited for you as you lean in fasting alongside PLC. Uh, uh, My wife and I, I don't know how many years we've been doing this now, but we kick off each year with some sort of fasting. Sometimes they're longer and they're more intense or they're shorter and more intense or longer and it's like we're giving up media for a week or we're doing uh, something else. And, you know, whatever those things are, uh, we've always actually partnered it. And if you haven't done this yet, I'd encourage it. We pray, we fast, we do all these things, but also each one of us in our family picks like prayerfully a word for the year. How many of you guys have ever picked a word for the year? Okay, I see a lot of hands. Um, a word that, not, so this isn't like a resolution, right? This isn't like I'm not having chocolate till Easter or whatever. 
This is saying, this is a word I want to be true in my life. This is a word I'm going to pray through. I'm going to focus on. I'm going to have this written in different places. I'm going to memorize scripture on this word because I want this to be true of me, or I'm praying this word, whatever it might be. Uh, my wife and I's words are very different every year. And so for me this year, it's, it might sound kind of lame for some of you, but this is going to be incredibly tough for me, and it is the word consistent. Now, ugh, I was talking to my son about this. I almost didn't want to say this was my word. It's like saying I'm praying for humility and patience, and then you get really people that make you feel impatient. It's like I figured it would be that. Um, but my word for this year is, is consistent. And I was talking to my son. I was going to the gym, which thankfully that was a good habit for the day, where I was being consistent with that that day. But I was like, man, he's like, Dad, do you know your word for the year? Because I'm like four or five days into the year, and I didn't know it yet. They all had theirs picked. I'm like, guys, I'm praying. I don't know. And I was like, I really want to do this right. Anyway, consistent is where I landed, and I'm trying to live this out. And it's going to sound a little braggy for a second, but then I'm going to tell you the other side of the story, okay? For the last like three months now, I've been very consistent in different ways in my life. I've been in the Word daily. I've been seeking God's face in prayer. I've been, you know, uh, doing different kind of fasting things, but I'm starting my day with him. And it has been daily now for, I, I could say, easily three months. And that sounds really great, right? You're like, oh, wow, this guy, whatever. Um, if I'm honest, I am one of the most inconsistent people in seasons. I will get in and out of, okay, I'm on fire in this area of my life, and I'm going to run, and I'm going to make it a week. I'm going to make it a month. And then the month goes by, and I stop that good habit in my life, and I pick up something different, and I just bounce from thing to thing. Anybody resonate a little bit? Kind of bouncy? Okay. Uh, so for me, consistent is my word. And um, if, I'm, if I'm honest and even more transparent than that, uh, for me, I don't know about you, I tend to go in and out of seasons of closeness with God. There are times where I feel like the fire is blazing, where I'm on fire for him, and there are times where I, if I'm dead honest with you, I feel like I'm just kind of coasting through the motions of church, where I show up, I shake a hand, I hug, I you know, smile, I read the Bible, but I'm maybe reading it for others, or I'm reading it because I'm in a Bible plan and I want to finish it. It's not really growing me, and there's been a lot of seasons in my life of that, and there's been a lot where I have been on fire. But the reality for me, and I don't know that this is necessarily true today. I think the last, honestly, year has really shaped me a lot. We went through some good brokenness in our life that really refined some things out and uh, brought some health to our spiritual walks in different ways. But uh, if you would have asked me, like, hey, what were the most on-fire times in your life? Sadly, I think, and I, again, I think my identity in Christ is deeper than it's ever been, and so it doesn't really reflect it the same, but I would have told you two different seasons of my life. Both of them aren't even in the last decade, okay? Now, it doesn't mean I'm not walking with Jesus daily. I'm not in the ministry. It, it, like, I'm still preaching his word. I'm still sharing. I'm still pursuing closeness with him. But the two times where I felt most just abandoned to Christ and didn't care what anybody was gonna tell me or what the world thought of me was, one was in middle school. I was recently saying, I'm 38 years old now, so the, middle school is a while ago. And that's like, oh, that was my glory days of Christ walking. Now, here's the thing. Why I say that like that is... I got saved and I was instantly, I lost friends because of it. I was rocking big old Jesus t-shirts. Like I'm talking old school, like Jesus with the crown of thorns and blood dripping and it was like ebbed off, off the shirt. It was like 3D blood and like the lion of Judah, the lion and the lamb. It was like a big lion head with like a lamb in the corner. I'm walking into middle school wearing that. You can tell why I lost friends, but here's the deal. Uh, no, I was bold and I, I, when I see people wearing those t-shirts, I'm like, hey, wait, nice shirt, man. Way to rep, right? But for me, I, I was just, I didn't care what people thought. I was like, they need heaven, they need Christ, and I'm going to tell them, and I, was, I didn't even know the gospel really, but I was 
leading my friends in the gospel in their closets, in their basements. I'm like, you gotta get saved, pray this with me. And like, who knows if they're saved? I don't really know, I was 10 or 12. Anyway, that was one of the times. And the other time for me that I've always said, and again, I think it's different today, but I would always, always said college. This is pre-marriage for me. There was a season in my life where I was straight consumed, like consumed with God's call on my life, consumed with his word. I was journaling. I was studying old hymns. Like I couldn't get enough of the Bible. I was like, well, who, who, let me study some hymn books because they had some deep theology in there. I was, I was journaling out songs. I was writing future messages that I knew one day I would preach. I, was, I had a challenge, and this might sound a little even crazier than the T-shirts to school. I would go to the mall, and I would get whatever I had to get, but I would tell myself, I'm not allowed to leave this place until I have had five Jesus-centered conversations with strangers. And I would walk up, and I'm telling you, I got to lead people to Christ in college, because I was like, why would I leave this place if there are people that don't know Jesus? So I'm going to do my part. And I would go in, and I'd make a difference. So when I talk about like the closest seasons in my life with Christ, now I, I feel close with him today. I am close with him. I have been close for years. But there was a different level of abandon and surrender and consuming in my heart at those two seasons in my life that I don't know if I'm honest that I've ever really matched that level of passion. And that bothers me. Uh, so I don't know, maybe think in your own mind, what was the time for you? And maybe if you're in here like, man, this is spooky. I don't even know Jesus yet. My friend came because they said there was homemade goods out and they're not eating them. So I, you know, I don't know why you're here. We'll talk a little bit about what that means later. But uh, I want you to think, when was a time in your life where you describe your relationship with Jesus as a little stronger, where your faith was just a little bolder, where maybe the Spirit's conviction in your life when you did mess up, when you did fail, you did sin, was a little more consuming, where you didn't let it linger. We're like, oh man, God, I'm so sorry I messed up. I'm so sorry I fell back into that same sin. Will you forgive me? Will you release me from that? I don't want that to have any bondage in my life, in my home. Get that spirit out of here. God, would you forgive me and cleanse me and make me new? Like, when was the season for you where you were just walking so in tune with the spirit you could almost hear his voice? Maybe your hunger was a little a little wider, a little less distracted. Let's use that language because I'm easily distracted. That's why my word's consistent for the year. When was that season for you? And as I think about like that season of my life, I wonder, okay, that, those were maybe the two seasons I easily identify in my life. You have one in your mind hopefully right now. What even makes the difference? Why was it then that I look back with, man, I was on fire for Christ in these ways? What makes the difference? Why is it such a thing? Why did I label it like that was my closest walk with Jesus ever? And so I think the question that I'm gonna help us answer today, and you know, I, there's, there's, I think there's gonna be a word for everybody today. There's gonna be something I believe God is gonna speak to you. I was, so it's crazy, literally before I got the, uh, the message from uh, the Thurbers that they were needing somebody to step in uh, for Andrew this week, not to turn if he was gonna survive or not. And so, uh, Literally four hours before they reached out, I, God, I felt like we were driving to Castle Rock, my wife and I, we're from Colorado Springs, and God gave me a specific word, and I was like, I'm gonna, this is what I believe God is gonna call me to preach in a few weeks at Passionate Life. And so I believe God has given me a word for each of you today at different shares, and the thing is, what I wanna kinda talk about, though, and it's almost a two-part thing, is how do we get the fire back? How do we get that first love and I know when I hear that word, I think of that passage in Revelation where it's like the church that was doing all these things right and all these things, but they had lost their first love. I'm not going to really talk about that church today, but that speaks to me when I hear that language. I'm like, man, I might be doing all the things right, but does God have my whole heart? And so we're going to jump into that today. So I wonder, what are the things 
in your life today that would need to change for you tomorrow to be able to say that this is the season. This was the, not middle school, not college, not early marriage, not two months ago, not a year ago, not when I was at camp, whatever that might be for you. Right now is the time where my walk is closest, my, my faith is strongest with Christ, no matter what season you're in. This might be a tough season for some of you. Our world has gone through a lot. We, you, have gone through a lot this past year and a half is what it feels like. And so uh, whether you're fasting or not, uh, there's 21 days ahead of us of just focus, lean in. God, we want your heart. Your church is going to be praying, whether you're part of that or you're attending right now. Your church is praying specifically for God to do a great work through this body and in this city, and God is going to show up. So will you just declare it that God, in this season, 21 days at a minimum, I'm going to chase after you with all that I have. And what I believe is going to happen, if you make that decision today to say, you know what, I am starting the fast, or maybe I'm not, or I don't even know what that is yet, go back, Pastor Andrew preached two weeks on it, it was incredible, uh, go, go, get, go get woke, I don't know if that's the right word, I felt cool when I said it, um, uh, on fasting, but here's the thing, God is going to show up, and if you'll lean in to chase him, I believe your marriage will be stronger, your relationship will be stronger, you, you'll be a better follower of Jesus at your job, you'll represent him better in your neighborhood, you'll be start thinking of your neighbors, you'll start thinking of people that you pass on a regular basis again, and you'll remember that they need Jesus, not just a smile, they need Jesus, not even just uh, a, you know, a high five in the workplace or to get your job done right, they need Christ. And so your strongest walk, I believe, can start today if you'll lean in a little differently than what you anticipated. So today I do, I want to talk, talk about restarting our hearts. And whether you've been in the game for a while with Christianity, maybe there's a restart. I think it's like getting an oil change. It's like a checkup. Every year we have this opportunity to restart. Or your heart really isn't even alive yet in Christ. And it's time to awaken your heart for him. And so I don't know where you're at today, but uh, today we're going to talk about seeking closeness, actual closeness with God. And I can't talk about this without talking about David. David had this unique closeness with God that I am in tears when I read and statements he says, I'm like, I wish that was my heart. I wish I was that faithful. I wish I, I longed for God like David longed for him. Uh, he's in the season. He's in multiple seasons of his life where it's just crazy. But I want this to be true in my life. Psalm 63, 1, he says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being. I mean, I just picture like the grit that comes with that statement. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. See, David is at a season in his life where it is parched, it is dry. Now, he's wandering in the wilderness during Psalm 62. But here's the catch. We don't even know which time. David was anointed king, and then he was being hunted by the king who was in his place after he was always already promised to be that, and he's wandering in the wilderness in that season, there was another season where he had been king for a while, and his son Absalom stepped up and was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to do this instead. Kicks him out of the kingdom. He's having to run for his life yet again as the king living out in the wilderness. We don't know which time this is. What we know is that David's closeness with God was not shaken by his circumstances. I imagine as you hear David say in this very dry, dangerous, sad, heartbroken, betrayed point in his life, that my whole being longs for you. Earnestly, I seek you. If you're like me, I hear this, and I wonder, am I going through the motions? 
Because I don't know that I talk to God like that on a regular basis. I don't know if I wake up in my morning and I get out of bed and I'm like, I hit the knee, I hit the knees up next to the bed. And I, God, I'm longing for you today. Would you show up? Now, again, the last three months, I've been on a new journey with Christ. Honestly, my friends, the Thurbers have been challenging me in the spirit of God and seeking his closeness and hearing his voice differently. And so I've, I've been leaning in in a different way in my walk with Christ, if I can be fair with that. But I wonder, maybe you feel like sometimes, man, I'm going through the motions. I am praying. I am showing up. I am reading the word, but I don't really connect like that. That wouldn't be how I would describe, I earnestly seek you. My whole body longs for you. So I don't know what kind of wilderness some of you have found yourself in. Some of you might have wandered in here today, and you feel like you've been wandering for a bit. Maybe you feel lost in some way. I want you to hear that God is eager to be found by you. He's not hard to find. He's not in the distance. He's not looking at you with shame. Jesus hasn't changed his mind about you. He hasn't changed his will or his purpose about you. Whatever mistakes or sins you committed in 2021 or even yesterday or this morning, it's not the final word for you. God has massive plans. He has massive love for you. And when we make big mistakes, we serve a God that he gives big grace. And so I don't know how you rolled in here today. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm going to start this fast, but I got a lot to confess. Great, do it. Confess it. Give it back to him and say, God, would you take my lust? Would you take my pride? Would you take this guilt from me? Would you give me your righteousness? We live in a crazy relationship with a God who gives us stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm going to give him my sorrow, and he's going to give me joy. I'm going to give him all the heaviness in my life, and he's going to make my burden light right? It doesn't make sense, the, the life that we get with the Father in heaven, but, it, but it's what he offers us. And so I wonder whether you're here, you're watching online today, that, that you came here for a day where it's, okay, I'm going to start this 21-day journey, and hopefully it's going to last beyond that. But God is ready to do some amazing things in you and through you, and it might start with your heart being awoken to what he wants to do in you today first. And so that's what I'm leaning into. And so it starts with this wholehearted longing, seeking of him. Deuteronomy 4.29 says this, but if from there, now there are some contexts in, in, in from there, I, I, I hear it today, if whatever place you're at, if from there you seek the Lord your God, now they were talking about the temple, which guess what, that's you. You're the temple of God if he lives within you. If from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. You will find him, if, double if statement here, If from there you seek the Lord, you'll find him. If you seek him with all your what? Heart. The thing that we get, like when you get passionate about Broncos, when you get passionate about food, like I do, I'm a foodie. Anybody else foodies? Let's connect in 21 days. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm gonna gonna make jokes on this all day. Um, If you seek him with all your heart, the source of passion, the source of connection, and with all your soul, You'll find him. Jesus said this in Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Now, here's the thing. We can hear these verses say, yep, Jesus said it. That's what God said in the Old Testament, New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We sing songs about it. We talk about it. The truth is, this is really tricky to live out. Because it's really easy for us, for me, to do churchy, godly, Christian actions without Jesus actually having my heart. It's really easy to go through the motions of of doing church-type things, but it takes intentionality 
for our whole heart to be engaged and to seek him to the point where we find him. If you're like, man, I feel like God's not hearing my prayers right now, and I don't feel like I, I, I have access to him, or I'm close with him, or I find him, seek him with all your heart. And that's kind of what I'm going to paint the picture of today. So again, another spot in David's life, Psalm 77.2, he says, when I was in distress, maybe some of you are in distress today. Maybe you rolled up in here and there's a lot going on in your world. There's a lot going on with health, marriage, families, relationships, job. I don't know. David says this, when I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. Picture that. Picture a man that is in distress and instead of turning to Netflix or ice cream or apricot balls out in the lobby uh, or friends that are trying to comfort him, and hey man, Let's go grab a, you know, a drink. Let's go, let's go have some fun. Let's go do whatever. Instead of turning to whatever things would naturally comfort someone, David says, I won't be comforted. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord with all I had, and I left my hands untiringly outstretched to heaven because I wanted to hear from God. Acts 17, 27. It says, God did this. He's talking about creation. God created you. He created everything so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. Again, it's, we serve a God who's not far from any of us. You can find him. And in this process, I mean, I picture God in heaven, right? He made everything, and he's like, is there anybody who's going to be reaching out to find me? Because it's so easy to find me. I'm not that far. See, in my opinion, if you're leaning into this fast for 21 days, you're, you're, you're giving up something, you're sacrificing, and this is a beautiful, selfless sacrifice of, hey, I'm not doing with food, or I'm not going to do media, or I don't know, you know, everybody can, I don't know how you guys have directed it, but we've always done, sometimes it's food, sometimes it's certain food, sometimes it's media, sometimes it's this, and my son did music for a week, and that was actually really hard for him. Um, so, but here's the thing, fasting, in my opinion, is one of the greatest, maybe easiest ways for us to focus our heart to be earnestly seeking of the Father. It's like, I mean, when we started off our year this way, it was like, man, we have so much more time. We're not cooking, we're not eating it, we're not cleaning it up. Three times a day? What am I gonna do with that time? We saw God ferociously. I was like, I'm hungry, we gotta pray, right? I don't know what your journey is gonna be like, but there's a process of earnestly seeking him that fasting can produce in your heart. And get this, Hebrews eleven six. you've heard this verse, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This isn't like prosperity gospel here, but when God says he rewards you for something, I'm like, what? I like God's reward. I want some of that. And so we lean in and he says he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I don't know about you. For my daughter, for my sons, for you, I was praying this week, I want God's favor, God's presence, God's power, his spirit to be strong in your life. And it starts, that re, that's the reward that comes with earnestly seeking him. But don't miss this. We can't confuse God having some of our actions with him having the earnest seeking of our hearts. There is a big difference. We can go through godly actions and miss this actually being connected to his heart. It takes action. So can I ask you the question? And just, again, think inside your own heart in this point. Would you say right now in your life, not just because you showed up at church, not just because you said yes to a 21-day journey, 
Does God have your whole heart? That's a good evaluating question we should be asking on a regular basis. Does God have my whole heart? What about that area back here that you're like, yeah, God has most of me. There's a part I don't talk about. There's a part that I keep falling back into. There's a secret sin in my life that I don't talk to God about because I don't think I can get victory over it. What about those areas in your relationship that you look good on up front, but you know there's a pride, there's an anger, there's a frustration, whatever that might be that you've let stew? Does God have your whole heart? What would that even look like if he did? See, what I know is if he did, and I say this almost to a shame of myself, my life would look a lot more like it did when I was 12. I wouldn't care what it cost me. I wouldn't care if, if I lost everything. I would be passionate to win people to Jesus. My life would radically change. So this is what I'm leaning into. And I told you like a little bit about my highlight reel. I think not only if God had our whole heart, it would, it would shape our attitudes. Uh, before the last three-month journey that kicked off for me, and I'm not, I wasn't in some crazy, my, I've been faithful to my wife, we've had actually a really strong marriage. All, like, I haven't like, ventured too far in these seasons where I say I'm not super close to God. But I do end up in a little bit of apathy of just doing what I know instead of flat out seeking him. See, the last half of 2021 was a bit crazy uh, for Nicole and I and for our family. Uh, there were some things going on in our life that were just heavy, right? And I found myself, probably for one of the first times in like 16 years of ministry, 15 years of marriage, getting a little cynical toward people. I was getting a little judgmental, not really publicly, but I'd go home and I'd talk to Nicole, they manage it. And I found myself almost like, I've never been a gossip. I don't, I, you know, one, I'm like, I'm one of the most trustworthy people you'll know on what is said and what, if you say, hey, this doesn't go anywhere, it stays where it is. But I started like judging people's motives and saying things that I was shocked with to my wife. And I was like, I don't like what I'm seeing here. There's something going on in my heart. And so I started reading uh, Psalms once again. I got stuck a lot in Psalms 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible. And so I read it a ton last year. And I started the new year off with it again. But in this process of realizing what I was finding in my heart, I was like, man, this cynicalism, this judgment, I don't like this. This isn't who I've ever been. I don't know why this is creeping in right now. And so I turned to the scriptures. And when I found Psalm 62, David is in yet another time of wilderness again. We don't fully know which time. But he says, for God alone, O my soul. Like he's almost given his soul a pep talk. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only, not anything else you could turn to. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. And this word refuge, it's in this, it's in this passage twice. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. And again, we see, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. I remember reading this and like I had faces that I needed refuge from. I had people, I had things that were being wrong toward us that I needed refuge and protection from. And I remember just, I closed my eyes and I was like repeating this back, like, God, I'm pouring out my heart before you. Would you be a refuge to me in this? Would your name be louder? God, would I ignore what's happening around us and lean into you? God, you're all that I need. You are our refuge. And in that process, again, I was in the habit of reading Psalm 119 pretty regular. And I got to Psalm uh, 119 verse 112. And I thought it was such a cool picture as I was thinking about this today, leaning in with the heart. He says, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever, to 
the end. And it struck me, coming into this year, man, I don't want to see this change that I'm, I'm thankful for right now in my life. I don't want to see this change just last for a few weeks in January. I want to be, my word, consistent for the year, for my life. I don't want to settle for going through the motions for God by February again. So how? How do we perform these statutes, as he calls them, his desires, his commands, his will, his plan? How do we perform these statutes of his forever to the end? This is the question. And I love the choice of words he started this verse with. He says, I incline my heart. Now, by default, and I think of uh, Friday night, I was reclined, right? If I had a big lazy boy up here, I was reclined watching some Netflix. I was comfortable. I had my kids get off the couch to get me grapes and snacks, (laughs) right? I made them go upstairs and let the dog out and then wipe her paws because it was snowy. I stayed reclined in the chair. Our natural default position in life and spirituality is reclined. It's comfortable. It's easier. By default, we stay there. It takes daily action for me to pop the lever and to get out of the chair. It takes daily action for you and me, for our hearts, to stay inclined to the heart of God. If we're reclining through life, it might look fine on the outside because we can still show up at church and be reclined. I can stand up straight and spiritually be reclined. See, here's the thing. Inclining our heart isn't a one and done kind of thing. I didn't set my heart in middle school and maintain it through 38 years old. I didn't journal out where I want my heart to be and how I want to be a man of God like David in college and it maintained through 15 years later of marriage. It's not a one and done kind of thing. We need to incline our heart on a regular basis. So here's the deal. As you're hearing this this morning, maybe you're feeling a little inspired, but how do we move from being inspired, motivated, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be back on fire for Christ. How do we go from just hoping that that would be the case, that I'm hoping I'm going to chase after God for 21 days and it's going to stick after that? How do I hope to do these things to actually walking it out in victory till the end? Paul said some pretty strong statements. David says some pretty strong statements. The two people in my mind, you got Old Testament, you got New Testament. I've been pouring through Paul and pouring through David like crazy. And Paul seemed to have it figured out that he did something on a regular basis that made him stay faithful till the end, till he was murdered for his faith. David, till the end, and now David did some crazy stuff, right? We know that. Big sin came great grace. But David was a man that was described after God's own heart. So whether you're here and you've lost your first love, whether you're here and maybe you were on fire for Christ back in the day and it's just kind of mellowed out a little bit and you're like, man, why did I let it settle? Why did I let the coals just become coals and not burning flame anymore? Why have I settled back into something? Or maybe you're here and you don't know Christ at all and you're like, man, this, this is something I've been wondering about, but I, how do I get my heart to be in line with him? How do I become new? I want to help you get the fight back because not just David, but I said Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 3, if you got Bible app or on your phone or you got your Bible with you, I think the verses may be up on the screen here in a bit too, but Colossians chapter 3 lays out really, a sim- I like simple processes, right? It's a two-step process. It's got a lot entailed within it, but a two-step process of what he calls a becoming new. Or in our case today, being the man or woman that God has your full heart. 
That's what he's describing the process to keep God having your whole heart. So the first, honestly, 11 verses of Colossians chapter 3 talks about putting off, right? It's this process of getting rid of some of the junk in my life. And Paul uses some pretty strong words. He actually says in some versions, put to death the flesh and lust, pride. He lists off all the things. And this is pretty common language for Paul. He says, I die to myself daily, right? This is like, this is the trick. This is what, how we do this. It's daily. He says, I die to myself daily. In other places, he says, I am crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. He says, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It, the death to the old is what has to happen. It's killing the common way. It's killing the reclined heart. And say, no, no, get up. You can't just coast. You can't just wake up and go about your day and say, I'm going to live for God today without actually seeking him. This is going to be a tough daily battle that can and will produce amazing fruit in your life. See, not to wake up and just callously walk in the same directions of selfishness, of lust, pride, full responses and anger and whatever, defensiveness. I don't know what it might be. That's going to be the regular. It's actively choosing when we get up to put those things off. Call them out. Be like, God, I don't want to be prideful today. I don't want to look where I shouldn't look today. I don't want to do the things I, that would dishonor you. I don't want to, you know, comment on other people's stuff. I don't want to gossip. I don't want to envy. I'm laying those aside. God, would you kill those desires in me? That's the first step. It doesn't stop there. The second step is this. Put on Christ. So you've put off some things. The reclined heart is now it's emptied, right? The lever's popped. It just hasn't come up yet. What we do is we put on Christ. That's where the victory is found. Paul says this multiple places. In Romans 13, 14, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So the first move is to surrender, to remove, to put off, to put to death the old heart. That's verses one through 11. Then, the next seven verses or so, it's about adding. It's about putting on the heart of Christ. Listen to what it says in verse 12. I'm just going to read some, some scripture to you. This is Paul on one of his rants. He's got a lot to say, and he kind of packs it into just a few verses here. Listen. He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. That's, that's a lot to that word, huh? Bearing with the people in your life, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against you, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So also you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 16, let the word of Christ dwell. That's that my whole body longs for you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Like this short little passage is the put on list. This is how we incline our hearts back to him. And he says this, 17, and whatever you do, whatever you do, in word, in deed, like actions of the day, what you say, what you think, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we put off some things, we put on some things, and it's gotta be daily. The rest of the chapter is literally just how putting off and putting on will affect the rest of your life. As a wife, as a husband, as a child, as a 
person who works a job, every other area of our life is gonna be influenced if we will put off daily and put on daily. So here's the challenge. There's a little timeline in place. There's 21 days of a kickstart to restart your heart. 21 days, that's a, that's a pretty attainable, easy goal for whatever is in your life. I'm gonna challenge you that when you think about getting dressed in the morning, you think about putting off some things and you think about putting on Christ. If you'll do that and the pro, in the process of praying and seeking and you know, being on your knees before him and humbling, him, humbling before him with outstretched arms, unwilling to be comforted and say, God, no, like wrestling with God a little bit. Like, God, I'm not letting you go until you do this. God, I'm not gonna let you go until you... It first starts here. It starts with our hearts. Where we get dressed daily, we put off some self and we earnestly seek to put on the heart of Christ. My prayer for you not just these 21 days, but for 2022, is that this will be the season that started, that jump-started your heart to be most set on fire for him than it's ever been. And that your city would feel the difference. Your neighbors would know the difference. They desire what's in you because it's the spirit of God. So every eye closed. There may be some of you here today where you don't know Jesus yet. You haven't invited him into your life. You haven't called on him to be your Lord. He wants to be found by you. He desires a relationship with you. He gave his life for you. And instead of holding on to the guilt and the shame that some so often keeps us separate, I'm gonna invite you today to lean in and say, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus. And so if that's you and you've never called on Jesus to be your Lord and Savior to save you, would you do this? While all eyes are closed, heads are down, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? If that's you and you wanna give your life to Christ, I see a hand over here, I see a couple hands to my left. If that's you, and you know Jesus died for you, he loves you, I'm gonna invite you right now to pray to make him Lord of your life. And church, if you'll help me out, let's not let anybody in here pray alone. Would you pray this with me as you invite Christ to be your all. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you. I know you died in my place and you rose again. And right now I give you my life. I call on you to save me. I make you my Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, let's celebrate those people giving their life to Christ this morning. Welcome to the family of God.